0: on the verge on the verge is presented by cure cannabis used for research and education the medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion sports trauma and many other orthopedic injuries as well as skin disorders mental disorders cancer and osteoporosis to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost effective, but also safer for them and society. CURE is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. CURE does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid, formulations for multiple uses whether internally or externally ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you or check out their website at www.curemich.com cure cannabis used for research and education on the verge is also brought to you by green scene green scene is a family-owned company recognized as the sizzle award winner for outdoor living in williamson county We design and construct areas to blend with the natural landscape of your yard. That can include outdoor spaces, gazebos, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, and yes, putting greens. We understand the importance of your home. That's why we never settle for anything but the best. Green Scene also provides multiple teams with professional landscape maintenance, irrigation, and outdoor lighting. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's special guest is the owner of Happy Back Chiropractic. I've had the opportunity to spend some time with him recently, and he's a he views chiropractic care and your own care in such a different way. I thought it was important for me to share it. So joining me today, Stephen Rawson. Stephen, how are you today, buddy? Excellent. Well, it's an honor to have you on here, and it was so nice to uh, get a chance to spend an evening with you Yes, uh, as we did last week. It was really interesting. And... One of the things that I find fascinating about what it is that you're doing is, and I'm not sure if it's because of the fatigue of the industry, Mm. but when you're doing work with your clients, you are putting a a responsibility on yourself to do your job to help the the client feel better. But you also put the onus on the client Mm to do things to help themselves to move further along faster. Mm. And as we were talking before we got on the air, you're you're noticing that as when you fill in for a chiropractor who goes on vacation or is sick or whatever, that the clients that they're that they're dealing with mm. when you offer these insights of different hey, you know you you could really do this and this would really help speed along the process. They've never heard anything like that. Personal responsibility is a waning gift mm. in I think world society. I can only speak for America, but it seems like it's a waning gift across the world. Mm. Is that people don't want to have to work mm. to get to where they want to go? They would like it to just show up. Yeah. Does that surprise you when you when you go in and you're dealing with new new clients that they've never heard of that, or is, is your approach different enough? that you see something that other people aren't seeing and you can help people along faster?
1: Well, I definitely... It does surprise me because the things that I'm giving people, I mean, I I try to give them the most simple tasks or maneuvers or exercises or stretches that can really make a profound difference on their progress. And I try to help them... Ask themselves the question, are you doing everything that you can do for yourself, for your health, to, you know, make your life better right now? And, um, yeah. So, um, it does surprise me, again, the things that I give them are very simple. Yeah. You know.
0: I think uh, a thing that's so bizarre is that we're coming out of a pandemic. First one in a really long time. Right. Probably like almost 104 years, I think, 108 years. Right. Yeah. And the narrative in the news mm. yeah. is fear, 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 fear. Yeah. But the first thing that I began to wonder, and I've had many doctors and chiropractors on the show, is that why have we not ever really talked about what you can do to be healthier, increase your immune system's capabilities. Yes. Instead of sitting in your apartment locked up, afraid of an invisible monster called COVID. Why weren't, why aren't we as a nation, as a world more interested in taking care of ourselves than being afraid? And therein lies what I think they're tied together. My first question in this question is that, we're so spoon-fed with fear Man. that we don't even know that we could eliminate 99% of that fear yeah by taking action for ourselves yes what do you try to do to empower people who are in this frozen mindset yeah cuz i would probably say i'm not i'm not innocent Right on this. Yeah, no, totally. So when I when I got a chance to be with you in a in a, what I call a hail mary pass situation, where I'm getting ready to go play in a gigantic golf tournament, I have two rib heads pop out, and I'm non functioning as I show up. And you're like, wait, here's like, what do I need to do? I'm willing to take responsibility, and you offered me a couple of things that I've n- not done before. Hmm. And I've done things that were like I pulled, I, I hung or pulled myself away, used gravity to help pull my back, stretch my back yeah, out, yeah. but not from a hanging position. I might do it from a golf cart where I hang onto a handle and I'm more tilted, not hanging completely vertically. yeah But I was like, man, I felt so much better. And I did it every day, multiple times while I played yeah. in my golf tournament and I was able to play, I was able to function. All, all five days. That's great. And I was not willing to bet that I was going to be functioning all five days when I saw you.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. By the way, when you're getting by and you're grabbing onto a golf, or, you know, whatever the, you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're kind of bent. You're still getting by with doing that stretch. But mm-hmm. um, a very gentle passive hang is just fantastic for the spine. And I just... Try to help people understand you can do that almost in like a rhythmic pattern. You can get good at it mm-hmm. and um, support your chiropractor's efforts to get you back to as close to 100% as possible. So, I'm sorry. And the thing Go. that
0: the thing that's so difficult for the, the listener mm-hmm. is to understand, one, the value of chiropractic care. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you going? Oh, is my back hurt? There's so much that goes into how the body functions based around spinal health. Absolutely. That every, every day that I think I know more, I find out that I know less. And I'm sure that in, in your process of being in this particular situation (laughs) as a chiropractor, I'm sure there was moments, the more you learned, the more you found out you didn't know.
1: Oh my gosh. Absolutely.
0: So like talk to us about the importance, like the holistic importance of your health Mm -hmm in chiropractic care because it's not just oh my back hurts a little bit I need to go get it cracked. Sure. There is an enormous yeah. deep health benefits that go that are so what I'd call subliminal. Yes. They're not so obvious. Yeah. Talk to us about why you're so passionate about chiropractic care. And let's move past the, my lower back hurts. Can you crack me up real quick and get me out of here into a much deeper version of your personal health?
1: Sure. Um, That does bring me back a bit to how I got started in chiropractic. And it also reminds me of just uh, a handful of you know, I've had thousands, you know, new patients coming in them giving me their stories and what's going on and so forth. But um, when I was 20, um, my mom noticed that I was having trouble <laughs> walking. I had a, uh, pain in my right knee. And I was kind of limping. And even I was like, man, what is going on <laughs> with my leg here? And she's like, what's happening? I said, I don't know. But um, she's like, well, let's go ahead and take you to someone. And of course I'm, I was all for that and we went to go see someone uh, a chiropractor at the time and uh, he did not adjust my knee he adjusted my spine adjusted my back low back my neck and so forth and checked my posture before and after and had me kind of walk in place and opened up my eyes and um, and he was showing my mom can you see his shoulders are better and so forth and, I, and he asked me, he says, how you feel? And I was like, um, I, I, I mean, I don't mean to hurt you. Hopefully this doesn't hurt your feelings, but I don't know if I could tell the difference. because that's okay. You'll probably feel better tomorrow morning and so forth. <laughs> the next day, when I woke up, the first thing that I noticed, and I did not associate this with the adjustment the day prior,
0: uh-huh.
1: my eyes just went bink. I mean, they just, I went from what felt like REM 5 to being completely awake. Wow. Exactly. And I was like, that was the first, my first thought was like, wow, this, what?" And and I'm just like lying in bed on my back, I'm looking at the ceiling and I'm just kind of taking that in like, this is different. What's going on? I just feel so good right now. I was energized and relaxed at the same time. Mm-hmm. This was the first time ever getting adjusted. Yeah. So I, I started slowly getting out of bed, and I got to my feet, and I, it's the first thing I did. I started to lightly just kind of jump off the ground, and I started testing my lower back. I went in because I had a problem with my right knee. Mm-hmm. And I started testing my lower back because it just felt different. There was this tingling sensation going on in my lower back. And it felt, gosh, 50, 60, 70% more alive wow. than it had. Like, I was 20. The last time I felt like I felt this good was maybe 14 years old. Wow. 13 or 14. And so... I was like, my, and then my brain was like, well, what is, why do I feel? (gasps) That's right. I got adjusted yesterday. And that was my first experience with chiropractic. Now, at that moment, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I want to become a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. No, I, I was just, you know, pleasantly surprised, you know, excited about the difference and so forth. And so happy about the results. Mm -hmm. Um, it was only about five years later when um, my cousin introduced me to a friend of his who was just about to graduate from chiropractic school. Uh, we were in the same town, the city at that time, and um, he asked me if I'd ever been to a chiropractor before. I said, yeah, you know, a couple times just to kind of get me out of a situation where I was struggling with something, mm-hmm. and um, he said... Well, I'm, you know, I'm in chiroprat- uh, life chiropractic college over at Marietta, Georgia, and I was living in Atlanta at the time, mm-hmm. uh, so I was pretty close. And um, and I was like, well, if I don't know if you're taking any new clients because I definitely have issues with my neck and my back. and I still had, you know, some issues going on. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked me some questions that I never, I'll never forget. He was like, well, Steve, let me ask you this: What is health? And we're just sitting in the living room, and I was like, "Hmm." And I was like, "Health is when your body is functioning at a hundred percent, or close to a hundred percent." And his eyes just got wide. He says, "Yes, that's it." And he said, "And I could." Just, I was like, "Oh wow! Well, I'm glad I got that right." You know, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I was just. A, and um, <clears throat> he said, "And." Let me ask you this, what controls your health? I was like, oh, that's a good question. Your brain? Yes. And your spinal cord, which makes up your central nervous system. I was like, oh wow. And what protects your brain and your spinal cord? Well, I guess the brain is a skull and the spinal cord is your spinal column. Exactly. And what happens? And then right at this moment I got the feeling. I mean, obviously, he was asking me leading questions, you know. Mm-hmm. He was taking me down a path. I understood that.
0: Yeah.
1: It felt like a puzzle was starting to come together. Uh, and he said, and what happens, or what do you think would happen if we had a, an imbalance within the spine, a misalignment, something that could interfere with those messages going from the brain to the body as the brain is controlling everything in the body, controlling how well our heart's beating, how well our you know, respiratory system is functioning, how well our digestive system is digesting our food, and, and I thought, wow, I guess it wouldn't be at 100%, and of course, you know, he's just like, you know, I, I ask these questions to people, and, you know, they don't, well, I guess my heart controls my health. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. what a typical answer would be or things like that. So um, that was the beginning of me understanding that bigger picture of just the simplicity of chiropractic and what they do in restoring balance to the spine and removing interference to the nervous system so that your body can function at its highest potential that it was designed for. Yeah. So... But it was only when I actually went to go see him at the college and he started adjusting me and making a profound difference in my quality of life and how well I felt, how I was sleeping and, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, no more low back pain, no more issues with my knee and my neck felt nice and free and range of motion was improved and all these different things. Um, At that time, I was inspired because he helped me out so much uh, to become a chiropractor. So
0: So it's interesting. Two weeks ago, yeah, I had on one of the the, the ten foremost authorities in hypnotherapy. Mm, yes. another uh, chiropractic care is not quite in the same taboo world as hypnosis is mm-hmm. but you guys have a, a bizarre reputation to have to scatter out of. Oh, okay. Yeah, you see, you see, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. People don't understand it, and they're like, "On you can't possibly tell me that my lower back hurts not because my lower back hurts, it's because something like one of my thoracic spine vertebrae are are out. It's out of alignment. Yeah, you, you talk. You can't be like it can't be that simple. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it can. Yeah. And then because the the treatment is so non obvious. Mm. Like, I have, I come to see you, and I got two rib heads out, and I got massive intercostal nerve pain underneath my right shoulder blade. Mm. And yes, you worked on that area, but you were like, "Man, your neck's jacked up. We got to oh, get your hips." And yeah. like some both of my poles, the north pole and the south pole yeah. of yeah. my spine, yeah. are all jacked up. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel any pain in my neck, and I don't feel any pain in my lower, mm-hmm. my lower spine, mm-hmm. which is the norm for me, actually. Mm-hmm. And the place that I never feel pain, which is in my thoracic spine, mm-hmm. was I was having a hard time keeping my, catching my breath. Yeah. It wasn't that much pain. Yeah. And most people, they don't view chiropractic care as body wellness. Mm-hmm. They view it as pain take away.
1: Mhm yeah
0: you know, please take away this back pain,
1: yeah,
0: I got a head, I get migraines, or you know all yeah. of these things, but they don't know why it works, right. They just go see you, and once they get their adjustment, okay, I'm better now, and then they keep doing their behaviors exactly yeah. the same as they yeah. were, and then eight days later they're back in the exact same spot again, yeah, changing human behavior, yeah is really difficult
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you go about encouraging people Yeah, to change their life habits
1: right you know one thing I you're probably going to be intrigued by this one thing I found out in order to really do that well I had to live it I mean I couldn't just hey you know you need to do this kind of exercise you need to start strengthening your neck if I were doing these things myself, and I do, I could let them know, "Hey, John, you'll be you'll love it. All you have to do is like three to five reps, on on doing some extensions with your neck, rolling over on your back, doing some flexions, rolling over on your side, doing some lateral flexions, three to five, and you're done. We're not going for an NFL size neck here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, and I can tell them that because." I remember when I initially when I used to tell my patients, "Hey, I want you to do this." <laughs> if I wasn't doing it myself, I might tell them to do twenty reps or something like, "Oh, this will really help." And I I remember start thinking to myself, "I need I need to start doing this myself." And I was like, "Gosh, it's even easier than that." Yeah, it's so easy to to. I really liked, and I and I go back to the flossing analogy a lot because. Mm. I was sitting in the hygienist's chair and she says, so, hey, uh, Dr. Rawson, just curious, how often do you floss? <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I do pretty good. That's nice. So, so how often do you floss? I, I don't know, probably half, maybe 60, 70% of the time, you know, fudging just a little bit, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I recently looked that up on Google. Do you know only thirty percent of people actually floss daily another wow. roughly speaking, another thirty percent actually do floss, but they only floss maybe thirty to fifty percent of the time, and then another you know the balance is doesn't floss at all, let alone you know properly take care of the teeth whatever and uh I remember thinking to myself sitting in that dental chair, gosh, I'd really like a good answer to that. I think the only way I can answer that question, honestly, for myself, is to commit to floss every single day. And then I would discover how much I was not flossing. And I did that. And I haven't missed a day since. And oh my gosh, is the health of my teeth that much better? It's just mm-hmm. incredible. Yep. So uh, going back to me discovering, you know, about my my own exercise routine, stretching and, and, uh, strengthening, um, I discovered obviously what was needed where, um, you know, I'd give and finally start giving patients better answers to the, you know, what they actually needed for themselves yeah, for maintenance and to get stronger and so forth. So, um, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked yeah. on the question, but, um, y- y- what was the, <laughs> <laughs>
0: how what do you, was, how do you go about encouraging people yeah yeah
1: yeah so i had to, i realized that the the um
0: you had to start doing it yourself
1: and not not only that but um that's easy just because i want people to understand how much power and control they do have themselves to influence their own health to to maximize their health and uh it's so funny you bring that up about the hypnotist uh hyp- hypnotherapist yeah um i did listen to that podcast and I thought it was fascinating and I do remember myself going through some hypnotherapy or or my therapist at the time mm-hmm. um, he asked me if I'd be open to that and I was like oh sure wow you know how to do hypnotherapy too you know and I was, I was just fascinated with how well that worked and um, so yeah I'm like, a big like, fan of that to,
0: so. to me it's I just want people to understand that there is More than the commercial way of doing things. Yeah. To be healthy and well and to stop listening to other people's opinions on something. Investigate it yourself. Yes.
1: Yeah, it is shocking to me. So I talk to people all the time and, no, never been to a chiropractor. I I feel pretty good. Or even the ones that have gone and they'll say to themselves, no, I feel pretty good. I mean, why would I go back? Uh, you wouldn't want to wait for something to break. You want to maintain your spine. Yes, you're doing a, a significant service to yourself just by stretching and strengthening, but you can still strengthen. And, but for example, not that I'm a big, uh, you know... Uh, S- supporting that, and also just trying to tell, oh, you need to get on the bench, but, but you know, to even go to the gym and see somebody bench and be like this, it's like you know, and the bars off, it's tilted yeah, and, and so forth, and they're not balanced, or if they're trying to squat and they're stacking the bar, it's like first of all, uh, you know, I I've seen uh, you know competitive uh, bodybuilders break their back from doing that I mean we have enough there's enough videos on YouTube to see people severely hurt themselves and we um, you know with a lot of weights and that kind of stuff so um, but yeah it's uh, go
0: ahead it's radical undisciplined discipline hmm they want to lift weights, yeah, but they don't have any idea what they're doing, yeah. And the more, the merrier. The happier I'm going to be. The more I can lift. Boom! Blow out a disc.
1: Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Or even slow, what's worse than blowing out a disc? That'll teach them a lesson. Yeah. Slowly causing a disc to break down because of poor biomechanics in their lower back, oh, and there's yeah. nothing left. Mm. I had. I mean, I had guys that came in. Talk about being jacked. Having all this muscle on their body, and they said, doc. I need to get back to the gym, and I'm looking at an X-ray with him, and I'm like, uh, Joe,
0: uh, you're not getting back to yeah, the gym. Yeah, no, this
1: is. Yeah, we need to look at something. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this. There's nothing there, and and the, the other disc, L four, L three, every You know, is starting to break down, following suit for L five, like. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, they would just get on that rack and just, you know, the, the pressing, the leg press. The leg and, press. Oh, my gosh, and just kill it. And then uh, uh, subsequently hurt themselves. You know that I keep thinking of this example. I had a patient come in to see me one time. It's a, And he gave me a very random symptom that he was going through. And I said, okay, um... Bob, what what brings you in today? And he said, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but I was just at the dinner table the other night, and I'm talking with my family, and it just felt like everything is real foggy. And he puts his hands up to his head, like everything just felt really foggy. It was like I struggled just to focus on what they were saying to me. Whenever a patient comes in and gives me a random symptom like that, I always get excited. (laughs) I mean, I know that sounds strange, Uh but I get excited because I can't wait to help them understand how their neck is potentially linked to that fogginess or their body and their spine. And that something as simple and as beautiful as chiropractic can help them, you know, cause that just to dissipate, Mm -hmm. go away, eliminate it. And um, it's it's awesome yes low back pain neck pain headaches all those things are um common for us and but it's those random symptoms i get excited about to show them listen oh oh you're not you know digesting well or you're having keep on having to take uh you know um antacid or you know problems issues with your stomach and mm-hmm. um they have uh, acid reflux and uh Again, different stories that come to my mind, but it mm-hmm. sounds like you're about to ask me another question. There, no, oh, okay, I, I, okay. I, yeah. yeah. So um, it's great showing people before and after pictures, not only of their X-rays but also of just of their posture. Of I had this one lady that she was taking all these medications again for her acid and acid reflux and stuff like that, and uh, showing her how she was just completely bent when she first came in to see me. Oh, uh, I've had poor posture forever, and you know, runs in the family. I mean, it's a typical response, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Everybody in my family has headaches. I'm like, does anybody go to a chiropractor? No. I mean, why would we? You know? I'm like, oh, my God. If I got a headache, <laughs> why am I not just taking an Advil? Right. How about just taking, a, trying to take a look at the cause? And I, you know, and I know it's, again, common in our office. We love to help people out with headaches and... um One time, I was at this uh, business facility just a couple blocks away, and I looked up, and on the sign, it said, Headache Clinic. And I was like, wow, there's like a whole clinic just for headaches. I walked in, and this was very, I don't know, sometimes I do strange things like this, but I walked in, I walked to the front desk, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I was just wondering, is the doctor around? Um... He is. Can I tell him who's asking? My name's Steve Ross. I'm just a chiropractor down the street. Okay. They go get him. This guy just has them bring me down, just take me down the hallway to his office. I was like, wow. I'm passing rooms that have beds in them. They were doing sleep studies in there. uh, And it was just all about helping people overcome their headaches and migraines. So I walk in i meet this uh medical doctor and um he had all these monitors in the wall his office it was fascinating he was studying brain waves and all kinds of interesting things and he starts talking to me about you know again what they do and the different medications that they give patients on and uh i was like wow uh, i said well doc I, I know this may sound strange the reason why i came in is because um Yes, I am interested in how you guys help people overcome their headaches. Um, but I, I also, you know, get really good results in my office with headaches. Um, and I was just kind of curious how well do the, the drugs and so forth, medications, do they work? And he said, oh, we, about 30%, you know, with the medications that we're prescribing uh, helps people overcome their uh, headaches. And I thought, I thought wow. 30%. Exactly. And 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 I was a little bit in an interesting situation. I'm sitting right next to him. And again, we're looking at all these monitors in his office. And I get 90% results in my office with headaches, migraines, I don't care what it is. Yeah. And even the ones that I that 10%, I'm baffled. I'm like, I found, I, and not that I think that chiropractic, I know this may sound like I think, oh, you think the chiropractic can just fix anything. No, I don't, not at all. Um, but for, I mean, the millions of people that don't even consider to do something or consider something natural uh, to restore balance to their nervous system and spinal column, they're missing out on a big piece of their health. And uh, he looked at me, he was like, Wow. Ninety percent. I said and I I held my hands out. I said, with these. Just restoring balance to the spine. He goes, Wow, that's amazing. I said, Could you do me a favor? And he says, Sure. Can you give me your most difficult patients that you've come across, that you that seventy percent or You know The 10% of the 70%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you give me the hardest patients that you have, most difficult, most challenged? He goes, you want a difficult patient? It's a great story. Points out to his office. He goes, take my office manager. He goes, I don't know what else to do for her. I was Uh like, exactly. I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. Let's see what you got with with her. And I was like, oh my goodness. So she goes, can you? what, can you help me? I said, well, I'll be glad to take a look and see what we can do. She comes to my office, takes some x-rays, take a look at what's happening. And, you know, obviously I do a consultation and everything, paperwork prior to that and so forth. And I said, okay, so you had a a surgery within your neck. And she starts to explain that she was in the military and she had an injury. and, And she goes, yeah, they had to fuse, um, uh, like four and five or five and six together. Uh, that was quite a while ago, 15 years ago. C? Right, yeah. C5 yeah, yeah, and C6. <laughs> within her cervical spine, her neck. And uh, I couldn't believe what I was seeing on the x-ray because prior to her telling me that, I could see that they actually fused the wrong two vertebrae. Oh, goodness. Right. And so, I looked at what they were trying what they what they meant to do. It could, it was clear on the x-ray what they meant to do and what they missed and they actually screwed the wrong two vertebrae together and fused them. And I said to her I said uh, Cindy, and she goes, "No, no, no. It was 5 and 6." I said, "No, I I understand. I'm going to help you understand this." And I, you know, counted the vertebrae with her and helped her understand that they actually did these two, and they weren't the ones that she thought. I said, you're correct. They should have been those two.
0: But they did four and five. Right,
1: right. And they did the wrong two. And so, and, and I said, but that's not even where your headaches are coming from. That's a contributing factor. That's just another separate issue that's taking place here that's unfortunate. But don't worry. We're still going to, you know, we're going to help you out. Wow. And the first adjustment, 50% better it only took me three adjustments for her to feel 80 to 90% better and then from there why did i continue to adjust her i mean i scheduled her on a care plan to restore balance to her neck mm-hmm. and her spine and her boss paid for it that's how interested he was to wow. help to help his office manager i i tell that just because i was I was shocked about the whole thing, you know, that, uh, how it all came together. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: isn't it great a... that you got a chance to be with a doctor who was open minded enough? Oh my! God. Oh, oh
1: my gosh! I was so it was an incredible experience. I was so blessed that he was open minded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like, to
0: me, I study the mind and the how the brain performs. Yeah but I know where my limits are. Yeah. I know that I'm not qualified to discuss trauma. Yeah. I'm not qualified to discuss what goes on inside the brain when you've experienced something that's so horrific mm-hmm. to you. doesn't mean it's horrific to everybody. It's horrific to you yeah. and it totally scars you and it alters how your brain functions. Yeah. Which is why I, I refer people when I feel like I know what I'm talking about, but I have no idea how to make something happen. Mm. When I deal with people that have been traumatized past the point of normal trauma to it affects their central nervous. It affects their functional life. Steve Raymond is the greatest person I've ever known. Oh, man. man. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah. And he's like, why are you willing to do this? It's because I know what you do. And I know that you have an ability that I don't have. Mm. And together, my job, your job, Mm. we're not trying to be the savior.
1: Yeah.
0: We're trying to help as many people as we can live oh, a better life. Absolutely. And if that means you have to refer them to me or I got to refer yeah. them to you or we both refer them to Steve, Amen. Amen. Yep. all we're trying to do is make, because if we make one person's life noticeably better, yeah. that's been struggling, yeah. we don't need to advertise because they're advertising for us for years. Yes. And the most important thing that I, I think that people need to understand about what it is that you're doing on top of just the general chiropractic care is, is that you don't really have a preference on how we get you better. Yeah, correct. We You sign up to be part of a team yes. to make you better. Yes. And if that means that I have to refer you to this person or that person, you're going to do it because you have an understanding.
1: Not, not only that, I'll, I'll ask them, hey, who's on your wellness team?
0: Mm-hmm
1: you you got your massage therapist ready is he or she are they good you know if you, you know uh, if i'm feeling different issues within their back and i'm ready to you know yeah. pass that part uh, try to help them find a good one um that's part of it you know if they need a physical therapist as being part of that team yeah uh who you know they may present as a matter of fact many times that'll also be part of that that we'll experience within our offices as chiropractors, people that may have mental issues. we know a good hypnotherapist that's part of our wellness team that we will refer to them yeah uh, we need them Absolutely. and and we when we become a part of a community we're searching ourselves uh, you know to complete that circle and of course help people if they're a little bit further away and mm-hmm. who we might know in that area as well sure <clears throat> but absolutely Fasc- yeah.
0: fascinating stuff yeah yeah. you know I I'm, I know that my job gives you a job because golf is a very awkward sport on the spine because oh, it's, it's played from a bent over posture mm-hmm in which one side of the body takes all the unload and the other side of the body takes all the unload. Yeah. Um, one, one side absorbs a ton of weight in a slow way mm-hmm. and the other side of the body gets it thrust upon it in violent speed. So I know that my, my, my job helps your job. Yes. But at the end of the day, being active is important. Being competitive, not like you're trying to win on TV, but to compete with the best version of yourself each day is a great thing that golf provides. Yeah, But golf is played from a bent-over posture, so that means the lumbar and the lower back <clears throat> has to figure out a way to stabilize a tipped-over spine mm-hmm. with the heaviest part of your body on the end of that, which is mm-hmm. your head. Mm-hmm. And we have to figure out how to keep it at the same angle while traveling at the highest level, 130 miles per hour. Yeah. And then your your hips have rotation. The spine <laughs> extends while it rotates. Yeah. And then all of these things are occurring at, well, there's nothing in sport that creates more horsepower than the golf swing. Yeah. So anytime somebody says, well, golf's not really an athletic sport. Oh, my gosh, What a joke. <laughs> <I don't laughs> what a joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What can my? Because obviously a vast yeah. majority of my listeners yes, are yes. golfers. Yes. Okay. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And and once you get to be about twenty-seven, you've probably woken up and like, oof, my man, my back is stiff. Yeah. But yet, it's a lifetime sport. Yes. But it's up to us to maintain ourselves. Yeah. Talk to us about the issues of golf on the on the at the sacrum l5 l4 yeah. l3 yeah. the thoracic and the, the cervical spine they all get it's interesting because the hips are going to turn 45 degrees mm-hmm. the shoulders are going to turn like 110 mm-hmm. so that puts a ton of stress on the thoracic spine yes and what's interesting is like i was saying earlier in the podcast almost always it's my l5 l4 si that is so inflamed that i they're I get lockups, yeah, or my neck is so I get such vicious headaches, and I feel like it's just underneath my ears that it's in so much pain, and yet the 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 the, the, the chiropractor put their hand in the middle of my spine and I like, buddy, your thoracic spine is jacked up yeah and I'm like, well, I don't have any pain there? and then they, they they adjust the my thoracic spine first, and it's like I see stars. And then it's, it's easy to get my neck. And then obviously it's not as easy, at least for me it feels that way, it's not as easy to get the L5, the sacrum. That seems to be a bigger yeah. issue because the muscles around that are so much stronger sure. and tighter, sure. the adjustment. But talk to my, talk to my listeners yeah. about the effects of golf on the spine yeah. and the things that we should be considering yeah, to maintain our longevity and enjoyment of a lifelong game.
1: Yeah. Well, I have some good news for you guys. Um, the things that you need to do... Uh, I mean, you're you're already stretching and strengthening. Yep. Right. Um, a lot of times when I have a professional golfer come in, um, or avid golfer, and I take a look at their posture, I notice they have a slight rotation to the left. You know, I constantly... looking to their left as they're, you know, where they're going to hit the ball and so forth. Um, So they have some rep. There's a lot of repetition, of course, in the game of golf. And And it's one-sided. Right. Um, Now, you mentioned just earlier how much force is in that swing.
0: Well, my my speed is like 122 miles per hour. So I I still, I'm so fortunate I can still hit it it. about as far as I could get hit. Wow. Right? But I'm on I'm on the south side. I'm on the other side of the mountain. I'm on my way down. Yeah. I'm 47. I can't do it like I did when I was 25. Yeah. But I can still move it pretty good. Right. But, yeah. I mean, there is a ton of forces on the body yeah. at 122 miles per hour. Probably in the big delivery of the club into the ball, yeah. the club head, just due to sheer forces, weighs like 60 pounds. So it's like doing a 60-pound kettlebell swing. Whoa. Yeah, that's intense. That's and and I'm doing it, you know. When when you're 20 years old, and you're trying to be as good as you can be. Yeah, you're hitting like 200 a day, 260 pound kettlebell swings a day. Wow. So
1: yeah, that's a uh, that repetitive stress to the body definitely can um, create an imbalance within the spine, especially when it's not ready for it. And yeah. so I know you guys do your best to prepare for that, but to go the distance in golf, you know you need to do just a complete stretching and strengthening routine. And, I mean, again, there's different... Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's different golfers that might go heavier weights and they want to be extremely strong and so forth, and that's great, but um, not to the extent of where they're injuring themselves further, and uh, obviously you need to be smart about that, but the stretching is probably... Just as important, if not more, than the strengthening, in my opinion. Because, um, and you correct me if I'm wrong, what's more important in golf? Technique or power?
0: Well, you could we could argue both. Oh, okay. okay, okay. It's okay. arguably both. But the- technique gives you the power. Right. Proper technique gives you power. But there are some people that don't realize that they already have the technique while chasing the power okay so i would say to some people they wouldn't notice that it's technique but it's technique is is what allows us to have precision and power together
1: i was about to say could i use another word in exchange for technique and say the mechanics of the swing yeah in relationship and then you know you have to master all of that first so to uh put yourself in a situation in the gym where you're trying to, you know, go pow- power lifting and all this stuff when uh, the first priority in golf is your mechanics, the finesse, the the beautiful technique. And with that, then you can, you know, so there's layers and levels. Oh, of, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, my recommendation to professional or any golfer to be better at their game um, is to make sure that all of your structural biomechanics within your body are the best that they can be and then build upon that foundation. It just so happens that you're also going to be supporting your health in every respect possible at the same time. But if we're talking about athletics and performance and, you know, when I think of a golfer, I'm thinking, yes, I think about the power and and all of that that they're putting Mm -hmm. in the swing and what that does to the spine, but I'm thinking about the mechanics. So when they have... The best alignment possible within the spine, mm-hmm. they're going to minimize inj- injury, even when they have a lot of power behind that swing. Yeah. So, my first recommendation is to get an evaluation. Mm-hmm. Is, hey, have you ever gotten your spine checked? And I know a, a lot of golfers are very, oh no, I already have my chiropractor, you know, and so forth. So, mm-hmm. um, but if they don't, my gosh, get a checkup. Get, X-rays taken. Get educated on what's going on with your your body and how mm-hmm. you can specifically improve your own posture, your alignment, so that you know your mechanics can be the best possible in the game.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And of course, another thing that I find fascinating about what it is that you're doing is right now, you do mobile yeah. work. Yeah. So you travel to people's homes. Yes. And you're more, I, I call that like Rolls Royce service. Yeah. You know, Concierge. maybe yeah. maybe a little bit more than Mercedes Benz. I'm going to call it Rolls <laughs> Royce. And that's not like where you truly want to be. Mm-hmm. But the Rona placed a unique position for yeah. chiropractic care. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to people weren't wanting to get out, mm-hmm. they weren't wanting to go to offices, mm-hmm. certain offices were still closed, period. Mm-hmm. But you being mobile... Mm-hmm. Gave you a tactical advantage. Talk to us about the, the, the happenings yeah. that led you from being the, the standard customary chiropractic. You got your office. You got your thing. And it's very important. We're going to get into that, too. Yeah. But the fact that you adjusted, adaptability is one of my big keys in life. You have to be adaptable hey, to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. You adapted to the situation quickly and effectively to keep your business thriving in a very unique time in which people were scared to leave yeah talk to us how you ended up being a mobile mobile chiropractic care
1: yeah so uh, i started my chiropractic business in uh january 2020 Mm -hmm. and by february i mean i was looking for commercial space uh so by february i was like i need to go ahead and this is getting a little silly here. I need to find a space. And I, I found one. Uh, and uh, it was a small office, but I thought this would be fine just to get my office started here, my business started here. And uh talked to the landlord. He says, hey, if things get really busy for you and you need a bigger space, it's okay. You can let me know and you can you know, break your lease and so forth. So it was a flexible scenario. Well when I got in there, he showed me the space when the businesses next door were not there. Mm-hmm. And when I got into the space... Uh, I quickly noticed as the businesses returned that I could there was an insufficient insulation in the walls. And I could clearly hear the conversations next door. And like I was telling you earlier... Um, <coughs> mumbling was not an issue, but to, <laughs> to clearly hear a conversation, it was just mentally distracting. Oh, sure. And my, and my patients were like bringing it to my attention. I thought, man, this is, it's, this is tough, but this is a deal breaker. So I had to write that letter to the landlord and say, hey, listen, I don't want to go, but there's, there's quite a bit of repair that would take place in order for me to fix this space. So it, like I said, it was a deal breaker and I had to leave. That was from March 1st to March 8th that I was in and out of that space and the pandemic was in, what I call full force by the fifteenth. People were shutting down, going into quarantine. Yeah, and it was an interesting time to wrap your head around that, like what was actually happening. And anybody, everybody I was talking to was, like, my gosh, don't go into commercial space now. You don't know what's going to happen with the world. I mean, it was really, you know, bizarre moments. So. Obviously, chiropractic was still considered, I say obviously, some states did not even consider it to be essential, but Tennessee, thank God, yeah, they, they, you know, consider chiropractic being an essential service. So that, I mean, just prior to opening my office, I was already helping a few people out with mobile services and letting them know, hey, I'm going to be in, in a commercial space here really soon got into that space and then that happened and then of course the pandemic and so forth. So that shifted me back into a mobile scenario mm-hmm. and um started to, you know, develop business there. And uh that was fun, interesting, different, yeah. but a lot of fun. Um it it also uh it it showed me, it highlighted things that were happening in their house, like what their couch looked like. Oh, I bet. that I didn't even tell you that earlier. And exactly. So um, just how they were sitting on the couch or mm. or how the kids were like just bent over playing the video games. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot about, I mean, even what I did as a kid. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Seeing that all these things were playing out in their homes. And, hey, go ahead and take that at least just that couch pillow, put it behind your lower back just to have a little bit of better posture if you're going to sit there and do that. For sure. You know, little things like that. And, and asking them, hey, you got a pull-up bar in your house? No. as it's real simple. You can, you know, our decompression machines in our office are anywhere between $20,000 and $120,000. You can have a pull-up bar for $35 and at least start the process of doing some gentle passive hanging for just seconds, 10, 15 seconds, giving yourself a break, doing it again, Uh, just for your health benefits. Oh, you have lower back pain. Yes. It's going to help that too. Oh, you have, you're already aware that you have a decreased disc space down there. We need to open up that space, draw in those nutrients, hydrate that area, Mm -hmm. you know, so simple things like I, you know, talked to you about earlier, but, uh, so yes. Um, at all of that, I went off on a tangent again, but all of that shifted me back into, um, or into a mobile scenario, and um, and I learned a lot. Still am, but it's exciting to be there where people are, uh, to come meet them where they are.
0: Yeah, that's that's so important. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, many people. I find from Nashville or trying to figure out how to move to Hawaii, but you figured out how to move from Hawaii to Nashville. So (laughs) tell me, is Island fever really a Is it really a thing? Oh yeah. Is it it really? Yeah.
1: For, for a lot of people, I never experienced it. I I should say maybe there were moments that I kind of thought about is this Island fever, but I was excited to be there. Uh, The story that, you know, got me there was an interesting one. Um, it, it was definitely, a, a, you know, I was, even when, it, that was another funny question. When I got to Hawaii, people were like, my gosh, what brings you to Hawaii? I'm not joking. <laughs> people that live there, they are like, you're from, you know, what brings you here? And I'm like, bro, you see those mountains? You see that beach? You see how we are in between mountains and the beach? It's like, this place is, how, how, why would you ask me that question? So, I got that a lot. But, um and then, and then coming back to the mainland, you know, uh, the question was, "My gosh, what brings you to Nashville?" <laughs> what <laughs> in the world? Right, did you exactly, exactly. And I would tell them, and of course, I'd have a better answer in that scenario. Uh, I would say, you know, I know everybody is like just wants to go to Hawaii and check it out. I said, but after a while, you know, I don't know that the grass skirt got a little uncomfortable and, and those <laughs> coconut shells. I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> just That's so like, good.
0: But anyway. How was your time in Hawaii? Did you love yeah, it? Yeah, it
1: was great. I learned how to surf. I, uh, oh, my gosh. The hiking is just incredible over there. And
0: the scenery what I, is what bre- island? What uh, Oahu. Mean? I was in Oahu. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the scenery is absolutely breathtaking. It is. Yeah. I got off the plane and I'm like, I'm home. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I was from here, but uh, yeah. I have found oh out where gosh. I am. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, I love Hawaii. Yeah. I just, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, man. I'm trying to figure out how to live in Hawaii, and you just left to come for us. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, the final question on this part of yeah. the show is yeah. probably the most popular piece, the thing I get the most feedback on, which sure. is the perseverance piece, yeah. which is what is something that have you, that you have faced in your life that really taxed you to a point where you weren't quite sure you had the guts to move through it. But once you did, you took action, you faced it, you walked into it, and you came out the other side, it steeled your resolve that let you know that you can pretty much take on anything and make it through. What is that one thing or a couple of things that you've persevered through that gave you the fight to know that you can take it on? You know, there was three scenarios
1: that was a, an incredible stress test to my business. The first one was within a month of me opening up my practice in Honolulu. I opened up, gosh, three weeks after 9-11. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I, um, you know, I had things in line, at uh, my, my loan was getting processed at the bank, and I was waiting on that so I can go ahead and open up my business and so forth. And uh, at the time, I just <laughs> went to the store, got some software, and I, you know, it was a, the business plan and so forth. It gave me like a template to work with. And within the business plan, uh, my banker at the time, after 9-11 happened, I met with him a couple of weeks afterwards, and he said, um, Steve, it says here in the, your business plan that in the event that there is a national or international Catastrophe that has a significant uh, impact on the economy, it says that everything here in your business plan could be and would be null and void and potential to have to be you know reworked and you know, based on what has happened within the past two weeks, he turned the business plan around, slid it towards me, and said, How would you change??" You know your plan now. How is that gonna, you know, impact? And I was obviously going, wow. So had to reword some things and so forth, mm-hmm. and work around that. Still got my um, loan and so forth. But no, you know, it it's it was a stress test to Hawaii because nobody was flying to the island at the time. Uh-huh. You know, to a lot of the businesses in Hawaii. And then the next one was in 2008. And I'm I'm bringing up things that. Uh, all all many businesses obviously experienced sure. stress at the time um, and the economy crashing at that point uh caused me to resize and right size really my business at the time, so I had relocated something that was a little bit more manageable for me. That was a definitely a stress test um, and and when I went to that new location, there was a flood in that building. I had to move everything in the office. To another location temporarily until everything was repaired there, and then move everything back. I forgot about that scenario, but um, and here I am coming back to the mainland and within just months of starting up my chiropractic practice here, we have something that 's significant as the pandemic take place interesting and um, and I had like you said, I had to shift i had to uh, just immediately went into the Mobile services and, um, you know, and it's been exciting doing that.
0: I think it's really, change doesn't happen very easily unless it's forced change. Yeah. If you don't have another choice, Mm -hmm. that's when great things occur. It's interesting. Yeah. Like the attitude you take in perseverance and difficult times is almost more important than the outcome itself. Amen. And... So it's interesting because you think about it, in the last 20 years, nine eleven, the economic oh, crash the, of the, you know, basically the yeah. the financial, the home crisis, yeah. the housing situation, and then the coronavirus, I and mean, that's essentially 20 straight years, right? So we have nine eleven, kind of hard for like eh, six or seven months yeah, until we kind of got an understanding of what yeah. was going on, and then we started to thrive. Yeah. And then maybe we got a little too high on the hog, and we got a little too greedy, yeah. and our economic situation completely went kapluie off of people not following the rules. Yeah. And then we could argue some pieces on the coronavirus, where it originated, and how it got there, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we still had to deal with the fact that however it landed on us, it's here. Yeah, How are we going to deal with it? And that's one of the things that I just I just bashed on my podcast. I get that this is a real virus. I'm not saying yeah. it's not real. I'm not right. saying people aren't going to yeah. die from it. But what I'm saying is why in the world are we not talking about how to stay healthy yes. instead of being so afraid of dying? Exactly. Do your part. And that's what I, I hang. I just stand on my head, especially coaching kids. It's like, stop listening to other people's opinion and make your own. Yes. Inform yourself. Yes. Don't let Instagram tell you what you're supposed to think. Don't let Facebook tell you what you're supposed to think. Yeah. Snapchat. Don't try to be anybody else other than the authentic version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're in a, in a time where that's not happening right. in the majority, that's for sure. Yeah. And although it's still happening and people are starting to wise up a little bit, a little bit. Um, I really believe I should hope that the last presidential election was wrought with a lot of false things from both sides Mm. to the point that literally every human began to wonder if they can even trust the news that they're watching. So only so far what I consider the intelligent ones have stopped watching the news and decided to investigate it themselves. Mm. Go different outlets. Don't yeah. just hang your hat on Fox or CNN. Yeah. Go to Reuters. Go to the New Yorker. Go to some place that that has that has quality journalism. Yes. And I'm not here to say that I wanted one person to win over another. I want our country to win, yeah, and what I sense is is that the powers that be that might be bigger than people think are recognizing that a vast majority of human life forms would rather not have to think for themselves hmm. and when soon as they realize that they're that they're dealing with sheep, they take their they they take their uh Take advantage of them mm. they take their wool mm-hmm. and put it right over their eyes Wow! and we are where we are today because people have stopped investigating the truth mm. and they take anything as the truth yeah and that's where i stand as i want people to wake up i don't care what side of the aisle you're on i don't care if you're mm-hmm. conservative or as free flowing as anything i don't care if you're uh rich or poor uh highly educated or we're not in a situation to be educated at all Mm -hmm. you still have vast majority of everything is in your control Mm. take action and do it yourself Mm. and hopefully someday we're we're in a much better space but i really think that the the recent presidential election as polarizing as it was it woke up both sides Mm. like wait a second and I think even now, right now, we're seeing, like, the the people that were will do anything to get the previous president out are now recognizing, well, okay, so this isn't going real good either. So we didn't get told the truth either. And then there's people on the other side, and they're like, well, it's not going great, but this isn't going nearly as bad as I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe I should investigate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I'm hearing from, I teach, I teach all kinds of people. Some people super liberal, some people radically conservative. And they're both kind of like, hmm, this isn't what I thought it was. I gotta, I'm not going to have to start thinking for myself here. Yeah. I'm like, thank the Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, And uh, that's to me, that's probably the biggest crusade that I'm on with my books and the podcast is yeah. get people to engage with themselves and their own beliefs instead of listening to someone else. Yeah. Almost in some ways. It's eerily reminiscent of religion. Mm-hmm. If you're only going to listen to what the preacher says and whatever the preacher says, that's a problem. Yeah. If you're going to read the book and apply it to yourself, yeah. now we're in business. Yeah. And I, I'm i one of those people that would rather do my own research and make my own fundamentals mm. up than have to have somebody tell me what my fundamentals are supposed to be. Yeah. I don't Amen. need that. That's good stuff. So that's that's where I'm at. The second half of the show is about the yeah. things you do to recharge your batteries. Yes. And historically speaking and we're coming back to it historically speaking it are the things that brings a lot of people together doing like-minded things that fill our cup up which is why theater concerts sporting events that bring 10 15 50 100,000 people together yeah that really fill up your cup yeah so when you were growing up who were your what was your favorite band who were your favorite musicians (laughs)
1: wow that's a fun question um, my brother uh he really turned me on to a lot of great bands mm-hmm. in the eighties and um, i mean i you know I, I was I was wondering man is virgil going to ask me that? you know like what my favorite <laughs> bands are because i I remember um making a list one day, and of course it's a long list yeah. and, but um off the top of my head, I'm a big Sammy Hagar fan. Nice, um, and loved it when he went to Van Halen. Um, One of the most iconic voices in the in the history of rock and roll is oh, Sammy Hagar. Oh my voice. gosh! And early Sammy Hagar, um, just and even my gosh, I think I wonder if he has like two or three bands now. He's yeah. just incredible how he can. He's so versatile that way. But uh, prior to um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the band H.S.A.S. It oh. was it was Sammy's. It was a band he created. H. Uh, Hagar, uh, S. was Schroen, which was the lead uh, lead guitarist for Journey. Mm-hmm. Aris, oh yeah, Arison and Shreve. Uh, uh, I guess bass and uh, drums. Drums. So. They played, they had a band, HSAS, and only one album, but the album was phenomenal. Wow. Um, Def Leppard, Night Ranger, I was a big fan of. Gosh, I love Night Ranger. Night Ranger? Oh my gosh. Listen, nice. but just a collection of all those great bands. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, and still do, obviously, Phil Collins, um, Dire Straight.
0: Um, Do you like Phil Collins by himself or with Genesis more?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. You know, I almost had to discover, I like certain, like a handful of songs from him, and I had to discover, oh, he played that one with Genesis. Oh, that one was when, you know, he was solo and so forth. So, um, but man, those songs charge me, recharge me. You're talking about what? Yeah, exactly.
0: When I think of Phil Collins... Yeah. No jacket required comes out in my early yes. youth, yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't know anything about Genesis. Little, I've never even heard of them. Oh, at this wow. Point. wow! Right. So this is like at the same time like the Thompson Twins and Wham, George Michael and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. that whole group. <laughs> yeah. That window of time. Yeah. No jacket required comes out. Okay. So the studios on that album, oh, and it's okay. a huge hit. Yeah. So I'm a. I've always been a music guy. Yeah. So no jacket required was the fifth cassette tape I ever owned. And I was so disappointed because I only thought there were three good songs on it. Yeah. But I've been hearing from my dad that Phil Collins is, like, awesome. And I'm yeah. like, well, what's going on? So not much later, you know, I, I veer off. I get a little heavier. I start to go into Guns N' Roses. And yeah, yeah. That whole. And then uh, Jenison's Invisible, Invisible Touch comes Yes, out. yes. And I'm like, that sounds like Phil Collins. And my dad's like, well, that's because it is Phil Collins. And I'm like, oh. So was he with Genesis before No Jack Acquired? Or is he there? Is this a new band? He goes, oh, this is not a new band. He just broke out on his own. I'm like, and then you start listening to old Genesis, and you're like, oh, man, man these guys are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And it's a band, literally, if I had to sit here and name my favorite band that I forget about for years on end is Genesis. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm really locked in. I have a very deep passion for a handful of bands. Yes. But I can even exhaust myself on yes. Pearl Jam and Tool. Yes. I, and I'm like, man, I need to listen to something different. Yeah. And then I'll just turn on maybe Sirius XM, and I'll hear like something from Genesis. I'm like, man, and I'll go through my Spotify, and I'll whip out a playlist. And I'm like, Genesis. I love that. Mm-hmm. What's the best concert you've ever been to?
1: Front row, uh, Billy Joel. Oh well, wow! I say now. Unfortunately, I haven't been to a lot of conf- concerts. I mm-hmm. have seen Bon Jovi, and I saw David Lee Roth in concert, and um, but I remember that was just incredible seeing Billy Joel. What was phenomenal was when in the uh, in interlude uh, the break Inter- the intermission intermission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they had one of their roadies. Come out and sing Highway to Hell. <laughs> For, did I tell you that no. before? Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. So he belted that song. And, you know, people are out, you know, going to get something to eat or restroom, whatever. And he comes out and sings that song. And uh, it was just hilarious because he had such a good voice and it was like, what is happening? And of course, the band just. You know, was just <laughs> that's amazing. Killing it, it was incredible. Yeah, to, that's so. To see, then of course Billy Joel comes out acting like he's playing air guitar.
0: <laughs> it was just so funny. He's a showman. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not ever seen Billy Joel. I've seen like videos. Yeah, like of concerts. Like I've seen an entire concert on YouTube. Yeah, but I have never seen him. I would love like the, he came to Nashville, can I believe it? with oh, Elton John. Oh my gosh! And I can't believe I didn't I didn't go see that. You
1: know, and now, now I've only seen him once, but you know the the first thing he said they opened up the show with. He goes over to the piano and he sits down. And he says, "Um, I uh, just want to say uh, hello, and that uh, I am Billy Joel's father." everybody starts cracking up because he has like hardly any hair and you know it It immediately made sense because of you can only imagine how many people uh, when they first see him in concert like I thought you had hair like and he looks at him like hey it's been a while folks <laughs> like, you know what I mean like it has been a while and it, I, I immediately understood where he was coming from it was so funny
0: yeah, he's, he's got God. it. was so funny. And, of course, he, he for just a window of time, he was married to the most beautiful woman oh. that's ever walked the face of the earth.
1: So, oh. Is it
0: Christy Brinkley? Oh, Christy Brinkley. That's right. I was like, I know, oh, my gosh. 60 years old. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated last year at oh, 60. Yeah. I know, right? Wow. I tipped my cap to that. Yeah. God did some fine work there. Yeah. Put that together nicely. Favorite sports team when you were growing up?
1: Mm, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: This was the Steelers' yes, steel ab- curtain. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Just uh, you know, when I was just a kid, they were winning Super Bowls, and I remember it was all the excitement on TV, mm-hmm. and it, that just stuck with me from when I was a kid. And I still love their, you know, team and everything.
0: Yeah, it's interesting; they've only had three head coaches. Wow, yeah. they have a they have a great track record of doing things right. Yeah, you know, when I was growing up, I'm from Pennsylvania originally. Yeah, so the Steelers were a big deal, and of course, in my family, I was able to choose whoever I wanted to vote for or root for, or whatever. Except college football, which was Penn State, or you're out. And of course, Pittsburgh Steelers had one of the greatest Nittany lines of all time, Franco Harris. Mm. And then I loved their like everything about them. They did they did the right way. You know, and they're the antithesis of the Steelers was the Raiders. Mm. They played dirty. Oh yeah, and then of course, they're one of the greatest football games ever is the Immaculate Reception. Oh yeah, in which that was about as hard fought as a football game as there's ever been played. Oh my gosh! And it was almost like good versus evil. Oh, and in some ways, even though it's that's such a far cry yeah. from the truth. Yeah. Because the Raiders were full of all star players as well. Yeah. But the Steelers in that that mid seventies to late seventies, early eighties. That's basically, you know, the, that, one of the greatest years in football history.
1: Was that when uh, John Madden coached the Raiders? Yeah. Wow. It's
0: hard to believe. Al Davis was the was the owner.
1: Mm. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's amazing
0: how how things unravel like that. What's the the greatest sporting event you've ever seen live?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I would have to say the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. There was one, but I also have to confess that was probably one of the few. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, uh, not many came to my mind. I was like, wait a minute, have I <laughs> so
0: Braves. Yeah. And then wait, yeah. when was that back in there in the heyday with with Maddox and Glavin yes. And, yes. and Smoltz and Chipper yes. Jones and all that. Yeah. Yeah. When you win ten straight division championships, that's oh. probably a good sign. Oh yeah. It's probably a good sign. Favorite movie, man, there's so many. Favorite comedy.
1: Oh, particularly on the movies. Yeah, I'll just oh, I'll, I'll oh, make it easier on I mean, those. Oh, yeah, because th- the first movie when you said favorite movie, the first thing that popped in my head was Rocky. Mm-hmm. And then the second one would have been First Blood. And then the third one would have been Predator with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, one of my favorite comedies would be um, Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell. <laughs> I've
0: never seen that. Oh
1: my gosh, you have to. That is absolutely uh, hilarious. Check that out. Yeah. The, and you know, a lot of people haven't seen it. It's just gone under, heard of it. under the radar. You know what? It, it, I, we did talk about this movie, and it is also in my top five, that movie Sideways. Oh yeah! Um, come on, that movie was phenomenal. Very and for well done. people not to, oh, what what's it called? Like oh gosh, it's so, you know, it was so good.
0: I am not drinking Merlot. Oh god, that was that was. I'm bad. not going in there. But if I'm going in, we're not drinking Merlot. Oh god, that was
1: so good. And
0: I just think that it's what gets lost on a lot of people that don't understand wine. Yeah, is that. The wine that he was holding on to, the 61 Cheval Blanc... Oh, man. ...is Merlot. So, he's like, it's, it's constant irony. The I, irony in that movie is hilarious. And I didn't
1: know that. And if I was, you know, uh, as big of a wine enthusiast as you are, I would have picked up even more juice yeah. from that movie. but.
0: God, now you can watch it again with a whole new level of appreciation. Oh
1: man, there's so many great parts. Where oh, there really is. It's just good they stuff. did
0: a really great job with taking what really is a wine movie yeah. with a divorcee guy with a wild dude going with him, yes. and just getting away. Something as from bizarrely simple was such a very complex movie. It had me. It, I've watched it probably 15 times. Yeah, and if it showed up on TV right now, I'd watch oh, it. Oh, absolutely, like, it
1: was nothing. absolutely. And and you pick up something new and, and just entertaining every time. Absolutely,
0: I love that movie. It's, I, I think of, I forget about talking about that movie as much as I'm a wine guy. And we're going to talk about wine here in just a second. Yeah, because I'm like I have a I've recently discovered that f- my first 55 episodes I said Gladiator was the greatest movie ever. And I said, very closely behind was Forrest Gump, Goodwill Hunting, and Wedding Crashers. And I break them off into their own categories. Mm. But I watch Forrest Gump two times in a week, uh, flying to and from Phoenix. And I think that Forrest Gump's the greatest movie ever made. Wow. Like, it has everything. Yeah. It'll make you laugh. It'll yeah. make you cry. It'll make your heart hurt. It'll make your heart light. It kind of brings you into. The fundamentals of life it also touches i'm a real soft spot for people who are slightly off he, i mean there i don't know i mean obviously it's a, it's fictional but i mean at the yep. end of the day somebody who's not gifted with the normal common sense and how he navigated his weaknesses and turned them into strengths mm. and made everybody love it and even though it's not a true story there are so many people that feel like they're misfits that never are willing to just be themselves because they don't feel like they fit in. And that movie does such a great job of finding a misfit like Tom Hanks plays Mm. as Forrest Gump and gives you hope that all you have to do is take action, take Mm. a step forward, just do something. Yeah. And it's going to be beneficial. And it moved barely ahead of Gladiator, which I think has the greatest one-minute segment of any movie in the history, is when uh, Joaquin Phoenix goes down into the pit and asks Russell Crowe to take his helmet off. If anybody's ever been wronged in life at the level that Gladiator was wronged, that minute of of revenge, I will have my revenge on you in this life or the next, if you can't like that just gets me fired up just thinking about it right now, I mean that yeah. movie uh-huh. moved me like none other, yeah and in goodwill hunting you know is a very mental movie, yes, and it goes to show people with radical gifts that waste it yeah uh, people that have figured out things later in life like Robin Williams did in that movie, yeah, and other hierarchical people who Love their place in power and don't really know how to do anything with it. Mm. So all of those things converging. Mm. And if you, and for those of you that are younger out there and you haven't gotten into the workforce, you're going to be surrounded by people who are in power who don't know how to be leaders. Mm. You're going to be surrounded by geniuses who maybe they've never had to work hard until a certain point and then because they missed their window of learning how to work hard they take their talents for granted and don't really do anything with them and then there's those great people who are blessed almost gave it all away and then figured it all out and they're there to make sure that the people like Matt Damon in that movie never end up going down the wrong road Mm -hmm. and those are the messages that I'm, I'm always looking for for movies, is that I'm not, I'm not into watching things blow up. Yeah, and you you mentioned a movie that to me is vastly underrated in its plot, which is, is First Blood. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Rambo took a whole new yeah. version of itself, especially as it went to three and four. Yeah, but that first movie um, is absolutely gripping and <sighs> so powerful. Yeah, love that movie. Yeah, so is so good. So, I, I exposed you um, last week to one of the greatest wines in the world, Ernie L's proprietary red. Now, most golf wines are not in the world of high end wine. Yeah. But Ernie L's's wine, the proprietary blend that he has, is one of my all time favorite wines. Yeah. And there's something about friends, good food, and a great bottle of wine that, that, much like what this segment's about it was a recharge it was a recharge for me because when i never met you before yeah i'm with one of my greatest friends in the world lee wilson and his family yes lee is my publisher for my books he's in charge of my website i teach his boys and him yes they're just unbelievably great people so i know that i'm already gonna have a good evening whether i'm drinking great wine or if i'm having a glass of you know sweet tea yeah but then I get the opportunity to meet you, and we go to a nice restaurant and we have this great food and we have this great wine and all what did it do? it elevated the room mm. the conversation got better oh man everybody's intrigued by the art that is the wine and the food <clears throat> and this and everybody and once again I'm, I, I love this stuff, so it makes it easy for me to help others love it right so you yeah. think about how grateful the waitresses were mm. to be able to taste it too. Mm. And then what did that do? They got involved in our table. Yes. They wanted us to experience yes. the greatness that the restaurant had. Yeah. So they were engaged. Yeah. So now when you bring the restaurant engagement to our own engagement, and then we're also dealing with the art of food and wine, mm. what a night, <sighs> what a night. I- and I'm, I, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't expecting that kind of night. I don't yeah. know if you were expecting that kind yeah. of night, but that's what makes life, if you choose to experience it, so spectacular.
1: Yeah. So I I texted Lee the next morning, and I said, "That was a night of great memories." And he said, "I couldn't say it. I'm going to say it better. Like, there's and and we haven't even." fully debriefed on that night. Like all the cool things that were brought up and the things we talked about, like just to kind of
0: yeah you know, revisit it. It was just so much fun. And, and, and to me, that is the, th- that's what I love about like people. Why do you like wine? I like what wine brings me, not mm. the buzz. Mm-hmm. What wine brings me is that moment right there. Mm. You had never had that wine before. I had never been to that restaurant before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Um, But I knew that I was going to experience a new friend that I never met, people that I know and love, food that I've never had before, but I know that I'm bringing a rock. It was was solid. And what happens is, is when you get in a situation like this, everybody brings their own talents to the conversation. Yeah. And then instead of, one person being the polarizing figure, everybody's it's a team. We're having team conversation, so good. team experience, team <laughs> everything, and everybody's involved with everybody, and there wasn't one, not even the boys, yeah, age eighteen and fifteen, yeah, not even they were bored, You're right Now they didn't obviously they didn't drink the wine, yeah, but the conversation reached a point that anybody that was in the room would be intrigued because this was not a normal blabbering conversation. Right. It was deep and meaningful. Yes. And at the end of the day, I'm always trying to encourage people to be more deep and more meaningful in their relationships because relation, human relationships are dwindling by the minute Mm. and people forget that we're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. We're not wired for wires mm-hmm. and devices. No, it's going to become a part of our life. It's, it's obvious. It is a yeah. part of our life. Right, right, right. But we can't let it overcome the real reason why we're here, mm-hmm. which is to navigate the world together yes. and make it a better place, Amen. which is easier said than done. Right. But at the end of the day, that's what makes that experience so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. When you've traveled the world, what's the coolest place you've ever been? Or a place that you would, that you really want to go back to again.
1: Yeah. I wish I could give you a handful. I mean, I, I moved, I up and moved to Hawaii and I had never been there before. So, so (laughs) I, I mean, that's got to be, I I haven't traveled the world to, Mm -hmm. to, to answer the question. So I don't really have, um, you know, a list of places to compare to, but, um, I went to the Philippines one time on a mission trip. That was very cool uh-huh. and interesting, and uh, you know, gratifying and so forth. Uh, but again, seeing the beaches of Hawaii from the mountaintops—that is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, Hawaii is the one of the is it's it's one of the few places that I've ever been. Yeah, where no matter how many gl- glowing things that are said about it, you still can't imagine it. It's the one of the very few things that out Blow out your expectations, even no matter how high they are.
1: It it absolutely is breathtaking over there. It's beautiful.
0: Final question. Yes, sir. I believe that we largely become the byproduct of the five most influential people we spend time with. When you think back over your life and where you are today and how you've gotten there. Who are the five people that have impacted your life the most?
1: First one that comes to my mind is my brother, Bill. Um, You know, when I was growing up, my dad was, uh, come from a, uh, my parents were uh, divorced when I was younger. Um, And that's kind of an interesting story, what led me and my brother, Bill, to decided to move with my dad and my other two siblings went with my mom um okay won't, won't go into that too much but uh a lot of times dad was gone working and so my brother who was four years older than me you know he was a he was a big leader in my life and mm-hmm. uh role model so i would definitely say him and the next i would say would be my mother who um she passed away 20 years ago, yesterday, uh, wow. from cancer. Um, yeah, that was very difficult, obviously, at the time. And uh miss her dearly. dearly. An, inc- an incredible example of just purity and love. Mm-hmm. I mean she was just always so transparent and authentic. Mm-hmm. And uh and boy, if she didn't like something she let you know. And you know you you always knew where you stood. Where you stood, what you were working with like at the moment if, you know, how she was doing and She was just an incredible individual. Um, So, seeing her fight that fight was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, To the end, I was in Hawaii, and she waited till I got there before she passed away. I can go off on some of these stories. I mean, there's many... Mm -hmm. Um, That was incredible. Uh, I thought, to be honest with you, Virgil, I mean, you asked me what were some of my most challenging times, I guess, in my business Mm -hmm. that I had to persevere through. I thought you were going to say in life, and obviously one of them was my mom passing, but another one was when I was 15, my brother Ron, I had heard through someone at the school I was at that he had been in a, a a terrible auto accident and uh the the hardest cry i've ever had in my life was walking walking into his hospital room he was in a coma for months his wow. his, his body was broken pelvis was broken in several different places they had to put him back they had to do brain surgery they had to put him back together again he had several shattered you know vertebra and again bones in his body and so forth so for him to come back from all that was just incredible but to see him in that bed that first moment where it was like I don't want to go into it too much. I'm start to cry right yeah. now. But you know what I mean? It was just incredible to see him fight that fight yeah. and come back from all that. Um, you know, it was... Uh,
0: Sometimes was it? the struggle is so profound that the fight is just one minute to the next. Oh, man. And as soon as you can build some momentum, you can move past it. Yeah. But it's... That's what you watched. You watched somebody. Oh, man. Move, start with just one inch forward. He had to learn how to tie to button his shirts again. He had to learn how to walk
1: again. He had to, you know what I mean? Yeah. uh,
0: Wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Who else? Who are the others?
1: So, my brother Ron being another one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um.
0: sometimes it's hard cuz you don't want to leave anybody out. Right. You know? you
1: know, I've uh I've I think the in, enduring events that took place in my dad's life, the incredibly hard events, that all took place in his childhood where I just heard about those stories. Uh. So he was a role model where I mean, it's just Growing up with, you know, being handed off, your parents handing you off to a next-door neighbor saying, you know, we don't want them anymore. You know, it just, so I, I just heard about those stories. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and to see how, what he did with his life being one of the, being the highest rate, rated um, you know, store managers for Walmart, for His whole career, it was incredible to see him, you know, own different businesses prior to him getting to retail and then him just going up. So I was always proud of him growing up in my life and my uh, life and so forth. So he's definitely part of that. But his greatest challenge, I just saw him excel. You know, his greatest challenge, I think, was in the early part of his life, me just hearing about all that. Wow. And I would say the fifth person was collectively my patients that I've had the honor of just hearing their stories over and over just the thousands of x-rays that I've taken and me explaining to them what's going on and them all explaining to me their story, how they... You know, when a patient, this is very fascinating, being a, a not just a chiropractor, but a doctor, mm-hmm. and you're going through a consultation, kind of, I was thinking about this on my way over here. You, being a podcast host, holding a phenomenal podcast, and you bringing on amazing people for you to interview, mm-hmm. you've heard incredible stories. Yep. How, you know... Just yesterday, I was talking to somebody, and she was like, oh, no, I went through the windshield, went into the next windshield, and then came out of that, and yet they had to put my face back together again. And it's like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, Hearing these stories or or asking a patient, like, you know, because a lot of times people will minimize whether they've ever been in any type of injury. Are you sure you can't? You know, is there anything that's happening? You feel like maybe even a minor auto accident could have been a part of, you know, what might be going on with your headaches or your neck pain, things like that. Oh yeah, that's right. I was in a terrible auto accident where um, we were on the highway, and we witnessed horses fall off of a trailer, and because of that. Uh, incident itself, the horse was freaking out on the highway, went through my windshield and killed my brother in the passenger side. Yeah. Wow. What do you say to that? I mean I just sat there
0: I'm I, speechless. It, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm speechless. And and you know what she said to me? She had to calm me down. <laughs> she was like, uh, wow. Doctor, she goes, it was a freak accident. It's okay. And I just sat there like, I, yeah, you, you, know what I, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. so time and time again, or, or the stewardess that would, had the, um, you know, the, they'll stop me when I'm, I'm trying to, okay, so what we're going to do, Doc, let me, let me explain to you what happened to me. I was a stewardess in an airline. And when they wheeled up the long ladder for the cleaning crew to come in, They brought it up to the airplane, and before it got close enough, they went ahead and opened up the door. And I was, uh, or I'm sorry that if this story doesn't completely make sense, but I'm trying to recall exactly what happened. The door was opened, and this stewardess, uh, or the flight attendant, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) want to be proper there, but um, was too close to the door, and the suction from the door. Caused him to fall out of the airplane. Oh wow! Take a fifty foot drop, and so prior to taking his X rays, he had to ex- well, he explained that to me that he broke his back and he had a cage, you know, installed in his lower back to hold things together. And obviously, I see all this when I take the X ray to understand what's going on. So, <laughs> the fifth person was just a collection of these people that have gone through, you know, incredible tragic situations and come back from that and mm-hmm. still have a desire, you know, obviously not just to live, but to make the best out of their yeah, lives to thrive. And, oh my gosh, to
0: in through these situations. So um That's awesome. Yeah. How can my listeners get in touch with you and get your services?
1: They can Obviously, just give me a call or text me anytime. Um, um, give, me, give us yeah. your number. Uh,
0: 615-605-7179. Awesome. Well, Stephen, I can't thank you enough for t- sharing your amazing story. Yeah. And uh, we we got a chance to touch on a lot of life lessons and yes. important things. Yeah. But more importantly, you've been a part of Touching My Life and making a moment out of, uh, for me, was going to be just overseeing the final part of my book being released and, uh, go have dinner. And yeah. you turned it into one of my favorite things, which is the Celestine prophecy. Mm. Celestine prophecy is a book written in 1983 by James Redfield, which means you don't meet anybody by accident. Mm. Everybody in your life is put in front of you for a reason. So make sure you get to know somebody. And my opportunity to get to know you has enriched my life. So thank you very much for, uh, Taking the time out of your busy schedule and probably a money making day to share your story with me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Virgil. Likewise. My
0: pleasure. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure. Cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.